This is episode 212 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, What Life is Like for a Million People in Puerto Rico Who Still Don't Have Power, Herbal Teas as Medicinal Tools, and Conflicted, Patriots or Radicals, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Before we get started, you can make sure that you get the Prepper Website Podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other favorite podcast network. And if you do feel you are receiving value from the podcast, we appreciate your kind reviews. So speaking of reviews, I did receive a review on iTunes today, and I'm going to say uh, I got some criticism, but I really do appreciate the way that this person handled it. So I'm going to go ahead and go over to um, iTunes, and I want to read it. So I want to read it for you, but then I also want to address some things, because I started talking about this the other night, and then I just felt like, no, you don't want it. They're going to think I'm just whining. And uh, so I went ahead and edited it out. I don't normally do a lot of editing because I just that, that wasn't part of the deal. So when I started talking about doing this, uh, you know, letting my family know that I was going to do it. A while back, I gave up my my office so that my kids could have an extra spare room uh, because they were kind of getting bigger and they needed to spread out a little bit more. And so really, I, I do all of my work on a laptop. But when I started doing the podcast, I kind of moved to the kitchen table. And so I, I kind of set up here so everyone knows that they kind of have to be a little quiet so that when I'm doing my podcast, so they kind of, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that they're all understanding, and so I try to do this later on in the evening as much as possible. And really, after we eat dinner and we kind of clean up and all those kinds of things, uh, that's when I can I finally get to the to the podcast. And then there's the the part of the website doing the website and all that kind of stuff. So one of the things was I, I wasn't going to do a whole lot of heavy editing just because there's no way uh, there's not a lot of time. So anyway, let me go ahead and read this this um, this review. This guy, this guy is an educator or administrator from what he says about school this and the district that, but can't read to save his life. Brutal reading. Come on, man. Please stop swallowing oysters on air. Get a cough button or move the mic. Seriously, it's disgusting sounding. That being said, this dude has the best info, a great voice, and a wonderful podcast. Keep up the great work. <laughs> so that was, uh, let me see, Downtown 86. So I'm going to say, the, I got the criticism, but I appreciate what Downtown 86 did, is they gave me the five stars. And uh, really, you know, that was one of the things that we did when my wife and I ran a group home. That was one of the ways that we were taught, is like, if, you know, if you have some criticism, go ahead and, and uh, you know, give them the marks that you feel that they deserve, but go ahead and give them in the written feedback. Let them know, you know, what, what kind of concerns you have or whatever. And so I do appreciate uh, the five stars. I mean, that's, that's really great but uh, I, I'm not 100% sure what he's talking about uh, as far as reading to save my life okay brutal reading maybe there's some times where I kind of struggle uh, and uh, come on man please stop swallowing the oysters I'm not 
on air. I'm not really sure what that means. So maybe downtown 86, if you can say like, hey, episode, this episode at this time, th- th- this is the way, I mean, you know, uh, it gives, gives me an idea. So I'm going to address some things that I, I think it might be. Um, and so, for for instance, one of the things that I, I struggle with because I'm doing this later on in the evening is I start yawning a whole lot. And of course, you don't see that. Uh, you don't see that. You don't. And uh, uh, and when I do yawn, a lot of the times I I will pause. So I'll pause because I feel the yawn coming up. But a lot of the times I am fighting it because I'm trying to get through the material. Uh, because I'm trying to go, to, trying to get to sleep. So uh, yesterday, or yesterday, or the day before, I I did get to sleep for the very first time in a long, long time. And again, please, please hear me. I'm not saying this to whine or cry or to get sympathy or anything like that. I'm just trying to tell you why maybe sometimes you you hear some weird stuff, right? So uh, a couple of nights ago, I I finally went to bed before 10 o'clock. Now, I know that that some of y'all are like, Todd, I stay up till 10, 30, 11 o'clock or whatever. But the thing is, is I get up really early. I get up at 4.10 every morning. And uh, so the story behind that is about three years ago when we were in between churches and we were kind of, you know, we felt the Lord was kind of dealing with us to, to get us ready for the next step. Uh, we were doing a lot of praying and those kinds of things. Well, one evening I woke up at 4.10 in the morning. I woke up, my eyes were completely open. I turn over, I look at the clock, which uh, we have, my wife and I have been married for 26 years. We have, we bought this stupid clock when we were first, I've been waiting for it to break so I could get another one. It's a Sony and it has a, it has a cassette of all things, right? So, uh, but it, it's worked. It's like a dual alarm clock. And it works, and so we just we just keep it. But it has this big digital face. So I, I wake up and I and I'm like wide awake, not like little drowsy or anything. I'm just like wide awake. I look at the time; it's 4:10, and I'm like, come on, because I know I'm going to be getting up, you know, at five something, whatever, and, and getting up and getting ready and doing all that kind of stuff. So. I'm like, man, okay, whatever. So I, I toss and turn. I get up, use the restroom, toss and turn, and all that kind of stuff, and finally get up when uh, I'm supposed to. Next night, no, no kidding, no doubt, this happens. I, I am there, I am asleep, and all of a sudden I am wide awake, and I'm like, not again. I turn, I turn to the clock, I open up my eyes or, or look to the clock, and it's 4:10 again. I'm like, are you kidding me? I get up, I use the restroom, I'm like, come on, really, 410? I'm like, I, I, I was struggling already for the, from the day before just because of the, you know, waking up so early. And so I'm like, this is crazy. I get in bed, I try to go to bed, tossing and turning, it's not really working out. Finally, you know, get up when I have to get up, when the alarm goes off and, and, and start my day. Third day, three times in a row, I'm sleeping. I, I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh. I turn around, it's 410. And now... I've done enough of, I've been a Christian for uh, long enough to know, I've read the Bible enough to know that this three times in a row at 410 is not coincidence. I mean, some people might say that's just your body, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, because that's never happened to me before ever. And so third day in a row, uh, third morning in a row at 410 in the morning, I'm like, all right, God, uh, all right, you want me to get up? You you know, there's a reason. So ever since that time, I've been getting up and praying. And that is a non-negotiable for me. I get up and pray at 410 in the morning. I pray, read my Bible. And again, I'm not saying this to kind of, you know, toot my horn or anything like that. I just, this is what I feel I'm supposed to be doing. 
And so I, I wind up doing that. So by 10, 10 o'clock, like right now, but before I started the podcast, I yawned like three times. And I don't know, maybe that's psychological. I don't know, uh, but whatever. And so I'm reading and, I, and I'm fighting that. So that might be part of the, of the things that y'all are hearing sometimes when I'm talking and I'm trying to fight the, the, the need to yawn. Uh, and it just seems like once you start yawning, it's like it doesn't stop. The other thing that I've, I've noticed is that I blow up the text on the on the screen for whatever reason when when I'm getting ready to do prepper website I don't have to do it but I'm when I'm reading and and I'm reading very carefully I I need to blow up the uh, I guess I'm getting old right and I'm, maybe I should wear my readers or my cheaters or whatever but I don't I just what I do is I uh, blow up the screen a little bit and so that I'm able to read a lot of the times if if webmasters have put big graphics in the middle of their articles, well then it causes me to have to scroll down a little bit and so there's a little bit of pause there and I might take a breath or whatever and so that that might be part of it. I know I struggled with that last uh, yesterday uh, in, in reading from active response training. There were some big graphics there that I had to get by. Uh, and then the, the the third thing that I think probably happens, and this is probably happens more than, than the other two. Uh, I did a Facebook Live today where, um, actually I did a couple of Facebook Lives uh, on Wednesday nights. But um, one of the things that I noticed is that I'm, I'm uh, I, I guess I'm wetting my mouth. And part of that is the allergies. I've talked a little bit about that. In fact, at the very beginning, if you've if you've been with me since the very beginning, you know that I struggled like greatly, greatly with with uh, with allergies at the very beginning, and that was like in February. And maybe I'm I'm starting to cycle back into that time during the winter time where I'm really starting to do that more and more and more. Uh, but anyway, so I'm doing this Facebook Live, and I went back to watch a little bit of it, and I'm I'm noticing my mouth. I'm noticing that I'm I'm uh, taking like a uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm sucking. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I can tell that uh, where, where I'm, I'm doing that, and I'm attributing that to dry mouth, where I'm trying to get a little bit more saliva going on or whatever, uh, just because it's just uh, my mouth is so dry, and so I do have uh, a, a drink that I have with me, uh, and so I, you know when I hit pause, I'll hit pause, I'll take a drink, but nevertheless it's still dry like right now it's really really dry and uh, so you know that's one of the things that I deal with so yeah I might be you know having some oysters in in swallowing oysters I guess that's what it is uh, you know um, I apologize for that I'm gonna try I appreciate the criticism I try to get better um, and and one of the things that bothers me is saying um all the time I, I know that I do that and I hate doing that so trying to uh, get all that uh, I don't have I don't have the um, the luxury of recording and then editing over a couple of days because I've committed to doing the podcast five days a week. Now, you know, somebody might say, "Well, Todd, we'll just don't do it five days a week." But just like I get up early in the morning because I feel I'm supposed to, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to be doing this podcast. Uh, and I, I've talked a little bit about it before, where I, I kind of fought it and fought it and fought it. I, there's, you know, there's 
a lot of other guys out there that do a better job. And when this kind of uh, came up, the idea came up, uh, started doing it. But I really feel like I'm supposed to be doing that. And uh, hopefully uh, those of you who are you know coming from a faith background would understand that uh, that you know you feel like you, you you're supposed to be doing it. So that kind of drives me a little bit. And plus the fact that it's just fun. I mean, I, I do enjoy doing the podcast. There is a high. I will have to say that you know I I'll finish the podcast pretty late tonight because I've I've done a lot of talking here and I haven't even got into the articles. But so I'll go to sleep tonight. But and it'll be hard for me to drift off a little bit because I'll have this high of of just I, I feel like I you know the podcast you know accomplished something. So. Anyway, there you go. Um, maybe that's what it is. The la- oh, the last thing I wanted to talk about this too, and I've been waiting, and maybe this is this is part of it too. Um, I've been playing with uh, the com- like compression and different effects when I uh, finish when I finish exporting or before I export um, the podcast. So I'm thinking I, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't like uh, I didn't even post it on the Facebook group. I'm like, hey everybody, I'm changing some settings. Let me know how you know how it sounds. I purposely didn't say anything because I wanted people to, uh, you know, I wanted to see if anyone would notice. And uh, maybe that's what it is. So maybe I have been boosting the volume, and I've noticed the breathing a little bit more in between. You know, I, I notice the breaths when I do that. So maybe that's kind of what you're hearing. So uh, I'm curious, downtown 86, if you go back maybe to, you know, maybe three or four weeks just to be safe and uh, like episode, I don't know, episode 175, if you go listen to that one and see if maybe you hear some of the same things, because it could be that I'm boosting things and I'm doing all kinds of effects. You know, I was reading some articles on the best best practices and best effects to use and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's not the, the very best to do when, uh, when I'm doing the podcast out there. So anyway, that's it. A lot, a lot of... Um, a lot of explanation. I'm not again. I'm not trying to make excuses or whatever. I want to try to do the best that I can. Try to put out the best podcast that I can. But understanding that I I have a limited time, so uh, sleeping is important. I know it's probably not very healthy not to get as as much sleep as I'm getting. I mean, so it's like uh, I'm getting probably less than six hours of sleep a night. That's not healthy. I started drinking coffee, at, you know, in the evening times, and I, I like I stopped that. I'm like, I, I've got to stop that. I cannot get into the habit of drinking coffee at night as well. Uh, that's not that's not good. So I don't want to do that. So there's got to be somewhere. Yeah, I'm hoping at some point I I get to a place where I can adjust. Um, and I'm able to do the podcast maybe a little bit earlier somewhere else in the house. I'm, I've, I've got some ideas and some thoughts and things like that. But I don't know. We'll see about that and see where we go. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to do a good job trying to get it out there. And so hopefully you find some value. And hopefully you, you can deal with uh, some oyster swallowing, some oysters on air and my brutal reading and all of, <laughs> all of that. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll try to do the best that we can. And, uh, you know, we'll let, uh, do the best that we can and let the Lord bless the rest of it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article of the podcast. All right, the first article of the podcast comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. Actually, so Daisy Luther, um, she was at theorganicprepper.ca, but uh, she did wind up getting scoring the organic prepper, theorganicprepper.com uh, domain, and so she moved everything over. And so she is now good to go there. So if you ever 
forget about the CA. She has uh, .com now. But the article is entitled, What Life is Like for a Million People in Puerto Rico Who Still Don't Have Power. Now, this is significant because this is a real SHTF situation. It's been going on for a while. Uh, this was actually um, published on December 4th. So it's uh, a couple of days now, about nine days old, um, but it's still very relevant. And I think there's a lot of information here that we should take into consideration because when the poop hits the fan, no one's coming. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be on your own and there's some things to consider. And society seems to, there is a pattern, there's a way that things start to happen and things start breaking down. And sometimes it happens pretty quickly. And so I think there's a lot of good information here. Let's read this one at theorganicprepper.com. What life is like for a million people in Puerto Rico who still don't have power. If you have ever wondered what it would look like if the grid collapsed here on the mainland, the island of Puerto Rico is a tragic real-life case study. These stories show us what life is like for more than a million people who still don't have power and running water nearly three months after Hurricane Irma and Maria devastated their communities. According to a website showing the status of utilities on the island, four months after two hurricanes wrought havoc, 32% of Puerto Ricans are still without power and nearly 10% are still without running water. However, even those who have running water must boil it. But statistics don't tell the real story. At first, it was a war zone. In the first days after the grid went down, chaos ruled. I vetted as many of the stories as I could and concluded, quote, There is very little food, no fresh water. 97% are still without power. Limited cell signals have stimmied. Communications in hospitals are struggling to keep people alive. There is no 911. Help is not on the way. If you have no cash, you can't buy anything. As people get more desperate, violence increases. End quote. A friend wrote this post about her family on Puerto Rico. Quote, My family has lost everything. My uncle with stage 4 cancer is in so much pain and stuck in the hospital. However, conditions in the island are far worse than we imagined, and my greatest fear has been made reality. The chaos has begun. The mosquitoes have multiplied like the plague. Dead livestock are all over the island, including in whatever fresh water supplies they have. My family has been robbed and have lo has lost whatever little they have left. The gang members are robbing people at gunpoint, and the island is in des desperation. People are shooting each other at gas stations to get fuel. They're telling us to rescue them and get them out of the island because they are scared for their lives. We're talking about 3.5 million people on an island with no food, no drinking water, no electricity. Homes are gone. Family, if you have the means to get your people out, do it. This is just the first week. Imagine the days and weeks to come. These are bad people doing bad things to our most vulnerable. Imagine a few weeks with no resources and the most vulnerable become desperate. What are you capable of doing if your children are sick and hungry? We have to help. End quote. Other outlets told the same stories. Jeffrey Holzman wrote a guest post for USA Today sharing what he was witnessing. Quote, the sounds of automatic weapons firing were audible Tuesday evening in San Juan. We were told the National Guard had arrived, but I hadn't personally seen a jeep or uniform in the streets yet. Total darkness has swallowed Puerto Rico as it has every night since the 12-hour monster hurricane Maria roared across the island with more than 12, 20 inches of rain and 155 miles per hour wind. 
I've never experienced anything like it. Wind and rain from every direction, pounding continuously. Nor now a war zone best describes what's left of what was once an emerald green gem in the Caribbean. After Maria, we faced hours upon hours of waiting in line for gas that might not be there. Hours waiting in bank and ATM lines for money that might not be there. Hours waiting in grocery store lines for food that might not be there. End quote. It only took a few days before people began to become ill from the tainted water. There were many injuries related to the storm as well as the aftermath, and these crises were compounded by the lack of medical assistance. Quote, only 11 of 69 hospitals on Puerto Rico have power or are running on generators, FEMA reports. That means there's limited access to x-ray machines and other diagnostic and life-saving equipment. Few operating rooms are open, which is scary, considering an influx of patients with storm-related injuries, end quote. People were unable to acquire essential medications and treatments like dialysis, and this was only the beginning. So one month after the disaster. A month after Hurricane Maria, the situation was still very grim. Three million residents were still without electricity and one million were without running water. Officials reported 54 deaths attributed to the hurricane, but many said that the number was far higher. The mayor of San Juan said that the number of cremations had doubled and put the actual casualties at close to 500 people. Quote, or she said, quote, it appears for whatever reason that the death toll is much higher than what has been reported. What we do know for sure is that people are being cataloged as dying natural deaths, end quote. She explained that some of the deaths relating to the hurricane were being reported as natural causes because the storm was a secondary factor in their death. For example, some people reportedly suffocated after their respirators stopped due to the power cut. The bodies were cremated before the medical examiner could determine whether they should have been included in the official death toll. Accurate information about the figures is particularly important in the U.S. because if a person dies in a natural disaster, their family has the right to claim federal aid. Evelyn Milagroso Rodriguez, a librarian at the University of Puerto Rico, wrote a first-person account of the aftermath during the first month post-Maria. She reported that the books, computers, and furniture at the library were mostly ruined and that mold had invaded the building. Here's an excerpt from her story. Quote, what outsiders are unable to see, perhaps, is that an entire culture has arisen around the ca catastrophe caused by Hurricane Maria, one with typically ca catastrophic traits, material scarcity, emotional trauma, economic ca catastrophe, environmental devastation. Puerto Ricans are now facing a dramatically different way of life, which means our relatives and friends in the diaspora are too. Nothing about life resembles anything close to normal. An estimated 100,000 homes and buildings were demolished in the storm, and 90% of the island's infrastructure is damaged or destroyed. Not only are there shortages of water and electricity, but also of food, highways, bridges, security forces, and medical facilities. It's dangerous to venture outside at night. An island-wide curfew was lifted last week, but without streetlights, stoplights, or police, driving and walking are dangerous after dark. The officially, official tally of missing people varies, with police tallies ranging from 60 to 80 right now. Considering Puerto Rico's hazardous conditions and limited health care services, that number is sure to rise. We are well aware that epidemic diseases, including leptospirosis and cholera, could come next. 
health concerns are further stoked by delays and disarray of the various federal agencies tasked with handling this emergency, end quote. Lila Santiago, a CNN journalist who had been born in Puerto Rico and still has family there, echoed the librarian's story in her own report. Puerto Rico has also changed forever. The struggles, this is quote, Puerto Rico has also changed forever. The struggles are everywhere, and where there is help or supplies, there are lines, always lines. Some days it would be people lining up for gas and then for food at the supermarket. The longest lines were now to use the ATM. I became numb to the lines quickly. When we passed another long one at the port, I didn't think about didn't think anything of it until it hit me. Thousands were lining up to leave Puerto Rico. I watched as an old man dragged an oxygen tank while pleading with organizers to let him on the massive cruise ship, now acting as a refugee transport. Another man lifted his shirt to show the scars from an operation, hoping it would convince the right people that he needed to get off the island. Although unthinkable, it's even worse in more remote areas of Puerto Rico. Despite their preparations, Rosana Avilas Marin's elderly parents live lives were de- devastated in their central mountain village. The winds of up to 155 miles per hour that roared across the island buckled the house's walls and tore holes in the ceiling, letting in water that destroyed furniture, framed photos of Marin and her siblings, and brightly colored ceramic statues of Jesus. That wasn't all it destroyed. The storm also downed power lines throughout the area, and Marin and her parents had been entirely without electricity for weeks. Much of their food went bad. They have no cell phone services, and local markets and restaurants remain closed. Her parents use a small diesel generator to power lights, and for a few hours per day, a small refrigerator. The rest of the time, she tells me during a recent trip to the area, my parents live in darkness. The island's major source of revenue has been tourism, and that has all but stopped since the hurricane. Considering how badly they were struggling economically before, that is just another blow to a place driven to its knees. The narrow blue cobblestone streets of Old San Juan are deserted. Cigar shops are boarded up. Boutiques in bright colonial buildings are closed. About a third of the hotels in Puerto Rico remain shuttered. Restaurants and shops are still without power. Beaches are closed for swimming because of possible water contamination. The high season begins in December and tourism officials are hoping to lure some visitors, but that depends on when power is fully restored and how quickly hotels and attractions can repair the catastrophic damage. It's a catch-22. Until the tourists return, many won't be able to afford to restore their businesses. But until they restore their businesses, the tourists won't return. So two months after. Two months to the date after Maria struck with a vengeance, only half of the residents of the island have power. The return of infrastructure began in the cities and wealthier areas. Those in poor or remote areas are still waiting. Here's a video of what it looked like in Puerto Rico right now as people struggle to restore electricity. Billions of dollars were allocated by the government and millions have come in from private donors. Politicians have been in and out of the island and that has led to spending laws that provides $5 billion for Puerto Rico recovery and billions for government agencies providing disaster assistance. Projections are that a lot more will be needed. On top of that, millions have been raised and contributed by private groups and foundations and individuals. Cruz, the mayor of San Juan, said people from around the United States have been sending small donations, money orders, 50 or $10, attached to cards or pieces of paper. Some gave as much as 300 to $500. 
We're going to use it to rebuild homes to make sure people have good drinking water because even if it comes out of a faucet, it has to be drinkable to schools for children. Some of the schools have been in really bad shape. 25% of what comes into the foundation goes to other towns outside of San Juan, she said. At two and a half months post-hurricane, PBS reported the following statistics. 66% of power on the island has been restored. 93% of the island has access to water, but it remains on a boil advisory. 73% of cell sites are up and running. 982 survivors remain in 41 shelters across the island. The island still looks like a war zone. Trash and debris from the storm remains a rampant problem. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers reported it has removed more than 639,000 cubic yards of debris, but it is still tasked with removing at least 2.7 million remaining cubic yards. Residents of the island are without resources and are at the mercy of FEMA and government funding. Democratic Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren unveiled a bill that would provide $114 billion in aid to Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands, but the package is unlikely to get a vote, analysts say. Meanwhile, more than 200,000 people from Puerto Rico have arrived in Florida since Maria hit, according to the Florida Division of Emergency Management. FEMA is now moving from response to recovery mode. FEMA is still providing daily food, fuel, and water to survivors of Maria, the longest such sustained distribution after a disaster in FEMA history. You can get more details about the proposal here. And now the return of electricity has been further delayed. Previously, Puerto Rican officials estimated that the island would have electricity again by December. It turns out they were wrong. Now it looks like everyone in Puerto Rico won't have power until February at the earliest. PREPA, Acting Director Justo Gonzalez, cited natural and hurricane damage to the power grid that was initially un unidentified as the reason for the delay of power generation. Others have said full power and other utilities will not be completely restored until March. Between Puerto Rico's economic problems and an aging grid, this isn't a speedy process. Before the storm hit, I wrote an article predicting at least a six-month wait before power was restored, and this was for a variety of reasons. I cited Philip, Felipe Schoen Rora, the editor of San Juan, Puerto Rico-based newspaper, Caribbean Business, who wrote of the many responses that it would take so long, the many reasons that it would take so long. The lifespan of most PREPA's equipment has expired. There is a risk that in light of this dismal infrastructure situation, a large atmospheric event hitting Puerto Rico could wreak havoc because we are talking about a very vulnerable and fragile system at the moment, Ramos added. Francisco Guerrero, a fictitious name to protect his identity, a PREPA field worker for 23 years, said it would take months for PREPA to bring up Puerto Rico's power system should a hurricane like Harvey strike the island. The lack of linemen and other technical personnel, as well as the lack of equipment including replacement utility poles for power lines and replacement parts, are the issues of greatest concerns among public corporation employees who say they risk their lives working with equipment in poor conditions that provides them with little safety. Guerrero said that today only 580 linemen remain out of the 1,300 who were part of the workforce in previous years, and that's not counting the upcoming retirement of another 90 linemen. Likewise, he said there are only 300 electrical line testers to serve the entire island. 
The source also said that much of Prepa's equipment dates back to the 1950s, and the more quote-unquote modern equipment that is still functional dates from the 1990s. In other, in other words, it's from the past century. If a hurricane like this on Harvey, like this one Harvey hit, hit us, the system is not going to come online, I'd say in over six months. Right now, the warehouses don't even have materials. I'm talking about utility poles and other stuff, Guerrero explained. It turns out that Rora was not exaggerating, but money and a dilapidated system aren't the only problems. There is an issue of geography as well. Puerto Rico's biggest power generators are on the south of the island, but most of the inhabitants live on the north side, primarily in San Juan. There are four high-capacity transmission lines that carry power from the south to the north, and they pass through the center part of the island, the region Marin calls home. The problem is that central Puerto Rico is mountainous, full of huge swaths of thick forests, and mainly, re mainly reachable only by driving on terrifyingly narrow dirt roads. That makes it hard to reach those four vital lines, even in the best of circumstances. In Post Maria, Puerto Rico, it's even harder because the center of the island was the region hardest hit by the hurricane. Since the government is trying to get power to San Juan first, that means those in the regions devastated most by the hurricane will be waiting the longest for power to be restored. Sanchez, the engineer, says workers would need to be flown in by helicopter to clear debris before repairs could even begin. Would you be prepared for something like this? If you think something like this could happen to us on the mainland, you're deluding your I'm sorry. If you think something like this couldn't happen to us on the mainland, you're deluding yourself. Our grid isn't in fantastic shape either. For years, people in the know have been warning that our electrical infrastructure is aging and unstable. It would cost us a mind-boggling 5 trillion dollars to replace the decrepit system. And age isn't the only threat. The possibility of an EMP strike could take it down permanently, and that threat seems more real every day as tensions with North Korea rise. If our grid was taken down by such an attack, it could kill 90% of Americans within the first year. We would lose power, refrigeration, heating and cooling, our economy, fresh running water, medical care, the list goes on and on. Few people would be ready for an event that took out the entire infrastructure for an extended period of time. I personally learned toward lean towards a more low-tech plan for long-term scenarios like this. For one reason, look how difficult fuel is to come by in Puerto Rico right now. Learning from this real-life experience of others can give us just a glimpse of what we should expect. All right, so very long article there. Uh, at least it felt long uh, reading that one. You know, a couple of things uh, really kind of stick out at me. First of all, the one issue is, is when you read like um, Fernando Aguirre and uh, Selco, one of the things that they have said is, you know, a, a lot of you know, people think, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to go bug out. We're going to live out in the woods or, or you know, we're going to live out in the country or whatever. So one of the things that you see here is the government, if there is natural disasters, if there's issues, if there's problems... And, and the government is still intact, what they're going to do and where they're going to focus is on the big cities first. And that's one thing that Fernando said, uh, Furfall, uh, you might know him by that name, uh, that he said, you know, that the government, when supplies came in and whatever it might have been, if it was extra food or whatever it was, um, it first came to the big cities. And that's, that's very important. Selco said the same thing. People who were out, and they both said that people who were out 
uh, living out in the country. Those people were taken advantage of. They were, you know, robbed and killed and women were raped and all that kind of stuff. So there is that, um, there is pros to being inside of the city. So if you live in San Juan, there's, there's a lot of pros to that because you know that your utilities, your power, your water, all that kind of stuff is going to be worked on first. Those people that are out living in rural uh, settings in Puerto Rico, I mean, they're going to be one of the last ones to get their stuff, man. And that, that truly, truly sucks. So you have that aspect of, uh, you know, the, the thing that kind of sticks out at me is, you know, those, those that are in the city are going to get it first. Now, of course, if you have plans, if you're living out in the country and you have, uh, you know, solar power and you have means that you don't have to worry about those kinds of things, I think that's that's great. Um, and, and so you, you, you don't even have to worry about like electricity and, and those kinds of things. Even the water, I mean, if you got that, even the water, um, you still have to boil it. So if you have running water, you're still having to boil it. So that's kind of scary there. Uh, and, you know, do you trust um, do you trust the government? that is so lax in, in, in taking care of everything and, and the way that they manage their money. And uh, you know that's one of the things that this article pointed out. Their financial situation was very, very grim already. And then so this hits, and then so they're in really, really bad shape. So uh, you, you've got that aspect of it. And then the fact that it just is taking so long. And I mean, you're talking about February, March, and, and when all this stuff happened, uh, you know, way back, you know, months ago. So that's that's kind of crazy. You, even in Houston, things um, things got going pretty quickly. I mean, there's still people who are still dealing, like, you know, people that I work with are still dealing with their houses and, and still dealing with things like that. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's going to happen. But for the most part, you know, everybody else is, is, is okay. I mean, where we had issues with water and, uh, you know, one of the, the, the members that go to my church, uh, you know, they were, they were getting reports that their waste treatment was not working. So they couldn't wash clothes and different things like that. But I mean, that was only a week after. And then after that, that was taken care of. We're talking about months and months and months afterwards, not being able to have electricity and water. And I mean, how would that, that wouldn't that just, just drive you nuts? Especially when you are so used to that. That would, I mean, you know, that that's that's crazy. I, I've talked about before that you know one of the guys that works in the cafe in uh, where uh, in where I work, um, he had family over there, and so in talking with him, they were like, yeah, we we uh, we they're, they're over here with us. We brought we brought them over here, and I don't know how they're I mean how they're surviving, how they're living. Uh, those kinds of things, you know, ha having extra mouths to feed. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what he's done. He was able to get his family out. And so that's uh, that was a great thing. I'm sure that made him feel very good and hearing about all the things that are that are crazy and going on over there. But anyway, you know, it gives us a little bit of insight of what could possibly happen if the poop hits the fan. And this is just a natural disaster. And, you know, this is just a natural disaster. What happens when things really, really go bad? And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not one of those things of fear, but it's a way of, it's the human condition. There are people out there 
who don't care. There are people out there who, you know, it doesn't it doesn't bother them to take what you have or to hurt you so that they can have or to, you know, it doesn't matter that hey, you you worked really hard and you prepared and and you saved up and you, you know, you 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 went without so that you could have during an emergency. They don't care about all that. They just know that you have something they don't and they want it and so they're going to try to take it by force and then where you go from there. So great article over here at theorganicprepper.com. There are a lot of links here that you're going to want to go check out. And, uh, you know, there's uh, the video and what's going on. And so I think we just keep an eye out. So when you hear about Puerto Rico, just keep in, you know, just just kind of, you know, listen what's going on. And if there's some video, I mean, listen up to what, you know, are they talking about that things are still bad? I mean, how far out are we from there? And just kind of keep tabs on that because, there might be a day and time when, when you might be in that situation that might cause you to think a little bit more about your preparedness and your preps. All right, so enough of that. Again, that's over at theorganicprepper.com and um, about Puerto Rico, what life is like for a million people in Puerto Rico who still don't have power. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our next article uh, from uh, two of my favorite people, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy over at doomandbloom.net. This article was Herbal Teas as Medicinal Tools. This is a great article here. Um, again, this is one of those that you probably want to print out. They make it easy for you because they have a button at the very end of their article that says Print Friendly, and you can go and, and print it out. But there's some good information here on using herbal teas as medicinal tools. So let's go ahead and read this one. In a long-term disaster setting where you are knocked off the grid, Medical supplies expended and medicines dispensed over time may not be easily replaced. When confronted with dwindling access to the tools needed by the survival medic to keep people healthy, it becomes clear that knowledge of natural remedies is important. Every medic must determine whether they believe a long-term survival scenario is a possibility. If this is their concern, they must not allow only have a sizable amount of supplies and medicine, but also a realization that they eventually must turn to the plants in their own backyard that may have medicinal benefit. For long-term storage, the preparedness community has turned primarily to essential oils as a natural alternative. These are indeed some of the best natural products the medic, the medic can stockpile due to their longevity. Producing new supplies of them, however, is problematic. Without distilling equipment and a large amount of plant material, you will not be able to replenish oils in any significant quantity. A more realistic option for sustainable herbal medicines is using fresh or dried plant materials and teas. These require little more than a garden and some knowledge regarding each herb. It should be noted that the term tea is incorrect. The word actually refers to various drinks made from the leaves of one species, Camellia sinensis. Green, black, white, and oolong teas are made from the same plant. Only the process differs. The proper term for a drink made by steeping herbs in hot water would be an herbal infusion or tisane. For simplicity's sake, though, we'll call them teas. Standard teas from Camellia sinensis, like green, black, white, and oolong, are high in antioxidants with many health benefits ascribed to them for various med medical issues. These include heart disease, type 2 diabetes, liver dysfunction, and more. Making a tea is one of the simplest ways to prepare medicinal herbs. If you can boil water, you can brew tea. You just 
bring some water to a roiling boil in a pot or other container, crush the herb leaves, roots, and or flowers, pour the boiled water over one teaspoon of herbs and let steep for about five or ten minutes, keep a cover on while steeping, Unless using a tea bag or bob, place a strainer over a cup and pour. Use honey or lemon to add flavor if desired. A tea doesn't have to be ingested to be a benefit. Some may be used as an eye wash, an irrigation solution for wounds, or in cold or warm compresses. There are many herbs that can be made into a tea. Although some of the information below lacks hard scientific data, these are just some of the teas made by your ancestors for medicinal purposes. Alfalfa. The seeds and leaves contain vitamins A, C, E, and K, as well as calcium, phosphorus, iron, and potassium. It has been used as a diuretic to help urine flow and for upset stomachs. There are claims that it helps arthritis pain and may lower cholesterol. Use 1 to 2 teaspoons of dried leaves steeped in 1 cup of boiling water for 10 to 20 minutes. Burdock. The dried root has been used in teas to help clear acne and to treat psoriasis. Use two tablespoons of fresh grated root or one tablespoon of well-dried root in three cups of boiling water. Catnip. Leaves and flowers are used to treat intestinal cramping, indigestion, diarrhea, and other stomach ailments. Although thought to treat respiratory infections like the common cold, a substance in catnip called nepticalone is thought to produce a mild sedative effect. Use one teaspoon of dried leaves or one tablespoon of fresh leaves per cup. Chamomile. This popular tea contains the amino acid tryptophan, which gives a sedative and relaxing effect. As such, it may help treat anxiety and insomnia. Antioxidants in chamomile may help slow down progression of visual, kidney, and nerve damage in diabetics. Use two to three tablespoons I'm sorry, use two to three teaspoons of dried flowers per cup. Chicory. When supplies of coffee ran out, soldiers in the Civil War used the root of this common plant as a substitute. It doesn't have caffeine, though, and has more of a sedative than stimulant effect in large amounts. Chicory root has an effect against intestinal worms and has been shown in animal studies to improve calcium absorption and bone mineral density. Scrape the bark off the root before drying. Use one teaspoon of to one cup of water. Tea made from leaves have a laxative effect. Dandelion. You might be surprised to know that the common dandelion contains vitamins and minerals. Indeed, it's thought to have more beta carotene than a similar serving of carrots. Young flowers and leaves make a good tea for constipation. Steep for 20 minutes. Roasting the roots produce a coffee-like drink. Use two teaspoons of dried, chopped root in one cup of water. Echinacea. Well known to decrease the duration of colds and flus, echinacea boosts the immune system and may have some antiviral activity. Steep one to two teaspoons of leaf, flour, or one half teaspoon of root to one cup of boiling water. Elder. Elderberry flowers make a tea that is used for many upper respiratory infections such as cyanitis, colds, flu, and laryngitis. Applied in a compress, the tea may be helpful for wound healing and some skin conditions. The blue or purple berries are high in antioxidants and may be made into a juice or syrup. Put two pounds of elderberries in four cups of water and bring to a boil. Then simmer for a half hour. Use a fine mesh strainer to press out the juice. Sugar may be added under medium heat to make a syrup. 
eucalyptus. Tea made from eucalyptus leaves offers relief from asthma as well as respiratory infections, mostly by opening airways and loosening thick mucus. It may have antibacterial and antiviral effects. Steep half a teaspoon of dried or fresh leaves in one to two cups of water. Ginger. The underground stems or rhizomes of gingers are, ginger are used to treat nausea of all types from morning sickness to motion sickness. Slice one inch of the rhizome into small pieces and simmer in two cups of water on low heat for 15 minutes. Then strain one-fourth to one-half teaspoon of ginger powder. Powder is, an, is another option. Ginseng. Both Asian and American ginseng root can be made into herbal teas that are thought to lower blood sugar levels, a useful benefit for those with diabetes. Simmer 3 to 6 teaspoons of the root for 45 minutes in 3 or 4 cups of water, then strain. Lavender. Used in aromatherapy, lavender may improve nausea and other digestive symptoms when drunk as a tea. It's thought to decrease migraine headaches and possibly limit convulsions and muscle spasms. Use one tablespoon of dried herb in one cup of water. Lemon balm. An herb with antiviral effects, it's a member of the mint family. A tea made from lemon balm leaves and flowers was used in the past to treat mouth, throat, and dental infections like gingivitis and herpes sores. It's also thought to decrease anxiety, aid sleep, and may help improve intestinal spasms and nausea. Add one teaspoon of dried herb or five to six fresh leaves to one cup of boiling water. Licorice. Better known as an ingredient in candy, its coating properties may help with sore throats, coughs, and heartburn. Licorice can, however, raise blood pressure and should be avoided during pregnancy. Add one to two teaspoons of chopped root to two cups of boiling water. Drink half a cup at a time. Passion flower. Tea made from passion flower has a beneficial effect on anxiety and may serve as a sleep aid if taken regularly. Boil one to two teaspoons of herb, avoid the root, in two cups of water for five to ten minutes. Peppermint. A long-standing herbal remedy, tea made from peppermint, calms the stomach and helps irritable bowel syndrome, but can worsen heartburn. The tea helps thin respiratory mucus and relieves nasal congestion. Put one teaspoon of dried herb or six to eight fresh leaves over one cup of boiling water. Rose. Rose hips make a tea with vitamin C as well as calcium, selenium, zinc, meningitis, and others. It boosts the immune system and is thought to be beneficial for the adrenal gland. Responsible for the stress hormone cortisol, boil one teaspoon of dried rose hips in water and steep for 20 minutes. Sage. Sage leaf tea is a time-honored remedy for sore throat as well as the common cold as a tea or gargle. It may also aid digestion, decrease cramping, and may even improve memory. Steep one teaspoon of dried leaves in one cup of water. Stinging nettle. Stinging nettle root is thought to have benefit as a diuretic to improve urine flow, even in those with enlarged prostates. The leaves may decrease the pain of arthritis in joints. Use one teaspoon dried leaf in one cup boiling water or, five, or boil five grams of dried root in two cups of water for five to ten minutes. St. John's Wort. One of the few herbs that has known activity against minor depression, it has been called herbal Prozac. Beware of interactions with prescription drugs, however. Pour one cup of boiling water over one teaspoon of herb. Thyme. 
Teas made from thyme will loosen thick phlegm and may help coughs. It's known to inhibit bacteria, viruses, and fungi, including many that cause respiratory infections. Steep one to two teaspoons of fresh or dried leaves in one cup of water. Turmeric. This herb contains cursumin, an anti-inflammatory compound that may treat Crohn's disease and other digestive tract issues. As well, it may have beneficial effects on joint pain due to rheumatoid arthritis and other disorder. Valerian. The dried roots of this plant have been utilized for centuries to deal with anxiety and insomnia. It may even decrease the frequency of seizures in patients with epilepsy. Its mild sedative effects ease pain and promote sleep. Avoid taking with alcohol or sedative drugs. Willow. The green underbark of willow trees contains silicin, the original ingredient used to produce aspirin. It is especially useful for muscle aches and joint pain. Simmer one teaspoon of bark in one cup of water for 10 minutes. There is much research to be done to confirm all of these effects of these plants and there may be other benefits not mentioned. Many other plants have medicinal effects other than the ones in the list above. These, however, are easily made into teas that can be produced even while on the move. I'm sure you have your own herbal teas that have helped the various, with various medical issues. The bottom line, learn how to grow your own medicinal herbs. You may find they are all you have to keep people healthy in the long run. Using all the tools in the medical woodshed will make you a more effective medic. So, like I said, there's a lot here, a lot of great information, specific information. So it's not just like, hey, this herb, you know, is good for this. There's a, there's a lot more specific information here that, that's really good to, uh, to know. And so that's why I was saying you probably want to print this one out if you have a, a binder or, you know, you even want to save it to, uh, you know, an e-binder. You put it on a flash drive or something like that good information to know and some of these things aren't hard to get i mean you know if you have a garden or even if you have some containers and you just want you know even if you live in an apartment and you want to do some container gardening you can pick up a lot of these uh, at your grocery store when gardening season kicks in or home depot or lowe's or or something like that you know and uh, you can easily get these and start you know growing them um, on your patio and some of these are, are would be really good to to have and and to uh, be able to um, to to depend upon if the poop hit the fan. And so I like Dr. Bones' thinking here because it's it's a long term. Yeah, we stockpile medicines. Yes, we even uh, I even I believe in essential oils. I you know we stockpile essential oils, but eventually all that's going to run out. And where do you, what do you do? Where do you go from there? You know. So it's good to definitely need to know this. Uh, I mentioned Jack Spirko had a, an episode not too long ago on just the, the idea. He didn't get into any specifics of, of uh, herbal remedies, but he just talked a little bit about learning and why you need to learn and stuff like that. And the fact that well, people have, you know, before modern medicine, I mean, this was common knowledge. I mean, everyone, this is just what everybody used. And so there's no reason why we can't still use it just because we have modern medicine. So good article over there, doomandbloom.net, again, uh, herbal teas as medicinal tools. All right, so every Thursday podcast, I do, um, I, I, I do an article or a scenario from the card game Conflicted. And so over at Ed That Matters, I type out the scenario and I put it over there. And so I read it on the podcast and, you know, a couple of things. And I'll be telling you, I'll be telling you, man, I can really talk there. Uh, I, I want to say that 
lately there's been a lot of uh, good information, good ideas, good thinking. And, and the, the thing is, is that you can come at this from so many different perspectives. So even the last one where there was like, you know, six kids, you know, or 12, six-year-olds or whatever, what would you do? A lot of people had very varying ideas on how they would handle it. And so you could go back to Ed that matters and, and you can go backwards and, and go find that scenario if you if you didn't hear that one and go check that one out. Um, so every every week I do one and the idea is to you can listen to the scenario and you can, I guess you can very quickly say, okay, this is what I would do. But the idea is to really think it through. I mean really try to think it through, look at it from many different perspectives and and maybe think of it and so here's here's a good thing, right? So if you were if if you were in a poop hit the fan situation and you had all the resources that you could, would you approach the scenario different? Or if you were in a poop hit the fan situation and you approached this situation with uh, your family, right? Your all your whole family was there. Would you would you do something different? Or if you were in a poop hit the fan situation and uh, you were you were the leader of a of a big group, would you do something different? And so working through those and trying to look at different perspectives, I think is very very helpful. So you can kind of get uh, a roundabout way of doing that. I think a lot of the times it's not very helpful if you hear the scenario and say, I would never be caught in a situation like that. That's stupid, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. You know, if you don't want to play along, that that's fine. But I think there's value in being able to, uh, you know, war game some of these scenarios and, and, and thinking through and, hey, what would you do? So what I when I when I approach these scenarios, I look at it with the knowledge that I have. So look at it with the knowledge that you have about preparedness. But then put yourself in that scenario. It's very easy to say, I would never be caught in a situation like that. Okay, fine. But what if you were? What if you were, how would you deal with it? With what you know about preparedness, with what skills you have, how would you handle this situation? So this situation is one of those that's a little bit different. So you can think it through or you can come over that to Ed that matters and you can drop your uh, you know how you would answer this scenario in the comments section. So anyway, here it is. Uh, this is conflicted patriots or radicals. What would you do? The government collapsed and everyone has been on their own for months. Out of nowhere, six men wearing UN uniforms appear at your door saying that they are with the government and that they need your ammo and supplies along with everyone else's in order to help reestablish order. You and your family must comply or be counted as anti-government radicals. Would you enlist and donate all that you have to the new government and be counted as a patriot? Or would you be labeled as a terrorist and fight them off if you could? Again, let me read it one more time. The government collapsed and everyone has been on their own for months. Out of nowhere, six men wearing UN uniforms appear at your door saying that they are with the government and that they need your ammo and supplies along with everyone else's in order to help reestablish order. You and your family must comply or be counted as anti-government radicals. Would you enlist and donate all you have to help the new government and be counted as a patriot or would you be labeled as a terrorist and fight them off if you could? All right. So, what would you do there? I think a lot. I think I already know what a lot of people would would do there. But you know, try to try to look at it from all kinds of perspectives 
and dig a little bit deeper. I mean, there's there's a quick answer, and then there's a little bit uh, deeper answer that you could possibly uh, go to, right? So uh, that's conflicted. And again, like I said, if you want to answer the, you want to give your input on the scenario, what you would do, come over to Ed That Matters. I'm going to link to it, like I link to all the other articles in uh, in the show notes, and so you can come check that out. All right, guys, so that's it for episode 212 with all the oyster sucking and ums and ahs and, and all of that, uh, dry mouth including. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, I mean, you wouldn't know this because I had to pause it, but I'll drink a lot of water. And uh, it, I, don't, I don't know, man. We, we have had like 40-degree shifts. Uh, you can wake up in the morning and it's 30 degrees, uh, 30 something degrees and then in the afternoon three o'clock four o'clock it's 70 degrees and so like right now just in the in the fact that I was doing the podcast I mean I'm all stuffy I don't know I don't know what the heck that's all about but I've been pausing a lot and uh, you know drinking a lot of water trying to do that so anyway uh, I appreciate again like I, I like I said I do appreciate your feedback I've tried try to get better uh, you know there's criticism out there and unless it's just totally Todd you're trash and you're stupid and you're dumb and you're just a troll and you're just trolling I mean you know I, I try to take the feedback and I try to improve myself uh, and, try, and try to improve whatever we're doing sometimes it's not possible sometimes it's like I'm sorry you, you can't you know you, you don't like it there's nothing I can do about that uh, you know that's just the way it's going to be and so um, you know we will go from there and we'll, we'll go but I do appreciate you know if there's any feedback I do try to take it and try to grow from it, and we'll try to make the podcast as, as good as we can and uh, make it better. So if you'd like to give some feedback, you are welcome to come over to episode 212 and drop that in the comment section, or you can come hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am uh, on social media and love to connect with you there, or you can come over to the Facebook group and uh, join our community over there, or you can leave a comment on iTunes and uh, a kind comment that would be great I would really appreciate that and uh, and that's always helpful as well to get the algorithms going on iTunes and so uh, people see the podcast more and so that uh, we can get the word and the message out there uh, to, to more people all right so with that choose to live a more self-reliant life choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind until tomorrow stay prepped and aware peace <laughs>